Welcome to About the Winelands. In this show, we will be chatting to leaders, influencers, wine producers, restaurants, and other role players. Tune in every week for our latest episode. You will find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram TV, Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Google Podcast. Good day, everyone, and welcome back to About the Winelands. Today, I'm talking to Kulain Tritter. Kulain is the uh, chairman of Cape Site Specific. Hi, Kulain. Welcome to About the Winelands. Hello, Will. Thank you very much for the opportunity, and I look forward to chatting to you. No, it's our pleasure having you here. We'd love to hear a bit more about, you know, what you're doing and stuff. But um, tell me, Kulain, how did you uh, get involved in the wine industry? Uh, it was actually a little bit by default. I studied, uh, well, grew up in Robertson and obviously amongst quite a few wine families and friends. Uh, went to Stellenbosch, studied marketing. Um, and then I went to, uh, to play rugby in Canada and New Zealand over the course of about two years and came back to South Africa. And my mother was the accountant at uh, Robertson Winery at that stage. So I, I kind of got familiar with their marketing manager, uh, which was Johan Meissner at that during that time. And uh, when I came back from New Zealand, I thought, well, okay, I could try another another stint of going overseas and, and live a, a student life, I, I would say. And um, I came across one that goes uh, on the classifieds and there was a position for a bulk wine company called Wine Trader at that stage. Uh, and long story short, I started working for them uh, in September of 2004. And from that was basically the introduction for me into the into the wine business back then. Wow, interesting. And um, so, so you worked at, at them for how long? Uh, I was with the bulk wine for luckily not too long, um, probably about four months. Uh, mm -hmm. At that stage in in two thousand, well, I think it was December two thousand and four. I was approached by Kubus Berger from Rietvallei Wine Estate in Robertson. I knew uh, the family quite well, and uh, they were they broke away from. The Distillers Corporation of Stellas Farmers in those days, uh, 2003, they were part of the Bergkeller portfolio. So they were uh, quite, a, although they were quite an old brand, were quite new in doing their own marketing. And so I was quite lucky to, at a very young age, you know, start a position of looking after brands, marketing and sales. Uh, so I started with them uh, in February 2005. So that would be the first proper, let's call it proper marketing and sales job in the, in the wine industry. Oh, interesting. That, that must be quite an interesting job. Did you, um, did you do all of the marketing, exporting, all of those things as well? Yeah, uh, I worked closely with Quibus, uh, the sixth generation and son. So he was the winemaker and GM. And we started slowly to take over the, the, uh, the local market. We, our wines were distributed back then uh, by Benimok. Um, and they had a small portfolio called Wineworks with more smaller boutique or estate brands. And slowly but surely got into the export markets uh, with Quibus, uh, starting with mainly with uh, the U.S. in 2006. And from then on, uh, you know, the more responsibilities that came on, onto the table, uh, I took over and, and started looking off the whole portfolio um, in, a, in, a, in the course of a couple of years. Oh, very interesting. So tell us um, um, about Cape Site Specific. What is it and what is the history of Cape Site Specific? So... 
I guess the passion for site-specific terroir-driven wines, wines with a sense of place, which kind of encapsulates what Cape Site-Specific stands for today, started back then when I you know, worked with, with uh, a family property and realized the difference between you know, people literally living off the land in their own production rather than just a commercial brand or corporate brand that buys in bulk and, you know, has a, a distribution line and financial backing. Um, and, you know, kind of planted the seed for me to say, well, okay, how, how do we communicate and educate the consumer of what the difference is between a, a call it a state wine or a site-specific wine compared to a normal, you know, commercial brand on a local retailer shelf? Uh, through the years, I... I started talking to obviously my fellow industry colleagues and, you know, we, we so often uh, fall for the cliche of, you know, who cares about, you know, what is an estate wine or what is a single vineyard wine. And I've always said, you know, if we don't care about it as producers, then obviously the consumer don't have to care. Uh, and then in 2011, end of 2011, I started my own business. Uh, the, 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 I guess the focus at that stage was to help smaller boutique brands uh, or private producers with their marketing and sales because quite a few of them don't have the financial means to, to you know, appoint a full-time marketing and salesperson. And then with the, I guess, the, the uh, focus on C Cape Wine 2018, I started talking to a friend of mine, Valen Pinar, who's at, uh, at Hermanus Petersfontein, and Johan Furi, who's at Pinguela Co., uh, both coming from the Stell and KWV backgrounds, so coming from a more corporate structure. And everyone was in the need of a collaboration. So I guess that kind of uh, skipped quite a few hoops for me. And, and I, I thought, okay, well, maybe we can get a nice group of winemakers together that speaks the same language, has the same philosophy and passion for site-specific wines and terroir-driven wines. So we launched at Cape Wine in 2018. We were uh, about 11 producers back then. And it ranged from, you know, across the Western Cape. The important part was it had to be producers who makes wine from specific sites and not, you know, blends of different regions or, or different appellations. So um, Cape Wine 2018 was kind of the launch pad for us. Oh, that's very interesting um, um, and, 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 and a great concept. So uh, what are your goals um, for Cape Wine specific? Well, the, I guess the, the main thing, I guess, was as a foundation is, is as a collaboration to start working together and support each other in our own businesses individually, but also as a group. So I, I don't, I've struggled to find an English translation for it, but we, we are very used to in, in the, in the Afrikaans sense to, you know, kind of, you see your neighbor as your competitor, you see your, your, um, your, the brand next to you as a competitor and, and, you know, stealing your, your time in the sun, which is, which is so false because, you know, all of us are in the wine industry competing with other uh, liquor brands, not, not each other. Yes, there will always be a, a kind of a competitive edge towards, you know, regions or wine styles, etc. But the foundation for us is as a collective to work together with people who share the same sentiments, uh, the same mindset and, uh, you know, find that synergy for us. And that, that, was, that was really important. So the first thing was have a group that, you know, wants to work together rather than against each other. Uh, and then have a local and international uh, kind of footprint and plan. And that was to really educate from top to bottom. You know, we, we, none of us have the, has the budget to have huge consumer campaigns, but the feeling is that if we can sit with the right sommeliers, the wine shop owners, um, top restaurants, uh, you know, good importers in other countries, um, you know, we need to educate them on what the difference is and what, 
what the difference is in our appellation system in South Africa, because they're the guys that influence the immediate market around them. So we've, uh, we've focused on quite a few events the last couple of years, but the goal is in the, in the end to help each other to grow our business and put a, a I guess a, a limelight on what it means to produce such specific wines. And you know, not that the Chardonnay from my area is better than yours, but why it's different. Uh, and it's a big educational process and, and platform for all of us. Yeah, it, so, it sounds like a lot of work. So Cape specific then, um, you know, uh, how, do you how do you actually help your, how does it benefit your members? And how do you help them, you know, or assist them with getting their wine to market? Yeah, you're right in saying it's quite a lot of work. Uh, you know, winemakers are not necessarily the best communicators. So uh, uh, it's sometimes uh, quite tough to, to communicate with them and, and kind of uh, speed up things. But the important part is, you know, I'm, I'm the non-winemaker in the group, uh, obviously being the brainchild behind it, but also from a marketing background. So I look after the daily uh, running of, of Cape Side Specific and kind of look for opportunities and, and soundboard with my members about where we should go, who we should talk to, etc. Um, so the benefit for the member is really to be part of a collective. And, you know, it's not just about sharing cost of a standard Cape wine. It's not just sharing the cost of, hey, we've got a table at uh, Provine, so we, you know, we can share the cost of being together. It's more important of, of sharing the knowledge and expertise amongst each other. And obviously the, the long-term goal for all of us is to start growing our business together in the export markets, but also locally. To give you a simple example, and I can't elaborate on, on the names yet, but we, we're in discussion and kind of in the last phase of working with a, a new agent for Gauteng, where seven of our members who's not currently properly represented up there will form part of the South African portfolio. So that is this kind of the long-term dream goal is to form part of portfolios in local and export market agencies. Um, again, when we travel together, you know, to speak the same language and, and help each other out. Uh, I've been representing the group uh, at quite a few international tastings in the last two years where, you know, we select five themes from, you know, let's call it Chardonnay, Bordeaux blends, Pinotas, et cetera. And each member has a wine in a flight, but it's literally just whether I stand there with the winemaker and we talk about the collective, um, you know, we all stand there with the same mindset and, and same support system. So the, the benefit I would say for, uh, for the members are to be a part of something. You know, it's, uh, if you've ever played team sports, um, it's always be, uh, that it's kind of, I belong to something and someone. And, and that's really, um, I guess, the more emotional part about it. But, um, but yeah, the, the benefit is really just to, uh, to help each other in growing our business and look for opportunities where if someone approaches me for, for a, a really good quality Chenin Blanc, but I don't have it, I'd rather pass it on to one of our members and say, hey, Donnie or, um, you know, Ati, do you have something for this guy? Because I don't, rather than trying to do it ourselves, um, as we've seen so many times in the past. So tell me, Colleen, if, if somebody's sitting there, a wine producer, and is thinking this is a great idea, and um, are you guys open to, to accept more members? And if people are interested, how do they get hold of you? How did they approach you to, to, to become part of it? And, and you know, what, what are the uh, uh, criteria? Um, so, as I said, initially we were, we were a group of, of friends mainly and, and people who knew each other and, and obviously uh, looked for someone that, uh, that fits the mold of, of what we stand for. 
uh, if you go into the website, www.capesitespecific.co.za, you can read more about the kind of the criteria of what CSS stands for and constitutes, which is mainly a single vineyard wine, uh, estate uh, classified wine or ward specific. So for instance, you can't have one of origin Stellenbosch, but your grapes come from the Alderberg and the Bottler Ray area. It has to be only that smallest uh, ward denomination. Um, are we open to uh, accept new members? We are never closed. Uh, you know, there's so many producers who are similar to what uh, our members do, but the reality also is that once the group becomes too big, it becomes quite difficult to manage. And so we, we're very careful of, of, you know, growing too quickly and too big that the members start feeling that I'm not really getting the value for, you know, what I signed up for in the beginning. And also not to become too top heavy in certain regions, um, you know, and, and less in, in others. So we are definitely open to talk to producers, but we have quite an um, open discussion with our members to say, look, we've been approached by X producer. Do we think they can add value or do we think they, they, um, they fit the mold for what we uh, you know, stand for? And then we're obviously open for discussion, but um, we currently sit with 14 members. Um, so it's quite a nice, a really nice group of producers, like I said, from across the Western Cape. Uh, there's obviously certain regions that we currently don't represent, uh, but it's finding that right fit and synergy. So, so yes, um, the, all the details are on the website, so you can you can visit there and, and get in contact with me as well. So, for interest sake, um, are you guys a voluntary association? Are you how are you organised? Are you an NPO um, or or a company? Um, well, you know, as most things start very slowly, we probably started out as an NPO. There's a membership fee, uh, and and the membership fee is mainly just to, I guess, keep keep members interested rather than you know the, the sentiment was always if people don't pay for something they don't want to get involved they won't be committed enough so we've got a very basic uh, membership fee model uh, which is not too expensive and i'll share that with guys that, that get in contact with me but um we um we obviously then uh, want to basically look after each other's funds so it's it's a pay to play scenario where we do events and we share the cost um and yeah for us it's it's really uh, about growing the, the business and with that i started a company um cape south specific p2y limited last year so i registered it and the main purpose for that is to start looking at tradability in the future so uh, mm -hmm. we've got a liquor license so we we are able to trade and actually become a vendor of for argument's sake checkers or macro or any group so we can actually trade and that's really important because you want to streamline the whole business as well. Uh, rather than dealing with 14 different individuals, you now deal with one company and they all fall under the umbrella of Cape South Specific. So we are a, a, a listed, well, not listed, but an established company. And, uh, and that is really just to look at any business opportunities in the future where we can, as a collective, you know, start trading with, with agents or, or, or companies. Would you look um, like say, would you set up something for the export market as well as an agent? Yes, yeah. So that's that's the um, that's the main goal is is to to kind of start collaborating in that way as well and co-load and and co-ship stuff uh, to the you know once we form part of of the same uh, agencies and, and importers on the other side, that would be um, a big goal for us in in a way to streamline that operation. And, and also on a local market basis as well. Okay. So, Colleen, um, um, it sounds to me like you've done a lot of work in the industry in, in setting up a distribution channel, talking to, you know, 
buyers, um, people in the industry. But what about customer awareness? How do you guys um, go about, because ultimately the customer has to know that the bottle of wine that they're drinking are Cape site specific and what it means. How do you raise that customer awareness? So unfortunately with the, I guess the second year plan, which was 2020, uh, COVID derailed quite a bit of our, our <laughs> let's call it consumer driven events. But, um, but so each, each band individually has their own brand plan. Um, you know, they've got their own, uh, way of communicating to the consumer. Uh, but with that, we, when we do collective events, obviously then we want each producer to start talking to their database and their, their customer base. We've done a, a consumer event up in Johannesburg last year uh, with the uh, Stellenbosch University alumni. Uh, the plan was this year to do a Cape Town, Durban and Joburg event um, and invite trade and, and consumers. So that, that's kind of the first avenue. The second is obviously to use our social media platforms and uh, whatever we can to post and uh, I created some videos earlier during COVID when people were still keen on watching you know all these podcast uh, uh, videos and, and, and uh, virtual <laughs> tastings etc. Um, but like I said earlier for us it the, the consumer connection and education will start once we can actually actively engage with them. For us it really is important to to start talking to the influencers at the top, which would be your, your restaurant owners, your sommeliers, your wine shop owners, because again, they're the guys that the consumer comes to for advice. And they're the, the, the influencer that we need on our side to say, hey, you know, I know you're like Chardonnay, why don't you try this from X producer, from this in the small single vineyard, et cetera, and, and kind of do it that way. So the consumer awareness is kind of phase, I, I guess I could call it phase two, but, um, but it is very important to us because in the end, the consumer needs to understand what the difference is, you know, like I said earlier, between the different brands and appellations and, and, uh, and I guess production ways. I think my question is, if I'm a consumer, I'm standing in a, you know, buying a bottle of wine and I want to know if it's Cape specific. Um, also, you know, um, is the wine branded somehow? Is there, is there a label on it? Is this, if not, is there something that's going to happen in the future? How are you guys looking at branding? Okay, so yeah, I, I probably misunderstood your question in the beginning. Um, yes, no, no, it's fine uh, because, because it's it's all part of it, right? So, so, so it's 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 very yeah. interesting to me. Uh, well, Andre Morgenthal and I have had quite a few meetings as well because the Old Vine Project uh, has done amazing work to put an emphasis on you know what what that means and, and kind of their philosophy and drive behind uh, protecting and and looking after old vineyards, and uh, they've got a, a beautiful. Um, sticker and, and kind of classification on their bottles it it's definitely in, the, in a plan in the future um you know i think from a producer's point people are sometimes very hesitant to just put it put anything on their bottle um some guys even though they enter competitions they even put the um, gold medals or whatever on the on their bottles but um but yes from a from a i guess awareness and standout point it, it's definitely something we want to bring into each producer's packaging and, and kind of uh, look and feel whether that would be a, a, a neck label or a, on the back label a little logo something like that uh, it's definitely in the future but we also have to be I guess cognizant of the fact that each producer has their own I guess emotion and drive behind why their packaging looks um, the way it looks and also spatially what can fit into their back label or front label or, or bottle but yes it's in the pipeline but nothing is confirmed as yet 
So if customers are interested in ordering wines at the moment, can they order from Cape Specific or they order from the, the, the producer and how do they order these wines? Yes, so um, we've worked with a company who's busy building our, our wine shop, um, which I'm hoping to have live in the next week. Um, on, you'll be able then to access it through the uh, Cape Side Specific website uh, and, and there will be a wine shop with all the wines from each producer that you can purchase. And then what we also want to do in the future is to um, kind of uh, pre-select uh, mixed cases and theme cases around the different uh, varieties and wine styles. So then you can buy six Chardonnays from six different uh, producers and, and kind of taste through the, the lineup and see the difference, same with other varieties. So we want to then offer mixed cases and kind of educational cases uh, in the future as well. Um, the wines are currently listed uh, really, I guess, informally on the website currently. So for those who want to go on, they can have a look. But the wine shop will hopefully be launching the next week and then people can actually purchase the wines as well. Okay, cool. Awesome. I mean, you'll be talking about the, the lockdown and of course this is, this is uh, has such a big effect on all of us and, and our businesses. And um, the coronavirus has forced all of us to rethink our business models. Do you guys have any changes or new ideas in mind? Yes. Uh, look, it's, it's been, I've said to my colleagues in the industry, uh, even though COVID is, has kind of sped up the process of this, I've always felt that uh, each business uh, has to kind of take a step back and look at, um, you know, their agents around the world, also locally, and, and see if it's still quite a good fit. You know, I, I, if I can use the example, it's, it's pointless for me to have an agent for argument's sake in the UK uh, who I started working with in the 90s and, and uh, they've moved to become more retail orientated, yet my brand is a lot more on-trade focused, um, which means the, there's, the company or the, the synergy has basically disappeared because, you know, it doesn't help that I'm with a guy who support, supports retail, but, but I want to be in restaurants. And COVID is definitely given us the opportunity to evaluate and reevaluate our business model as well in that way. Uh, and it's not about, I mean, we've built up relationships with these guys and, and uh, for the most part, a lot of businesses just trickled over every year where COVID has given us the opportunity to, to sit back and say, well, look, you know, maybe it's time to look at a different agent. Maybe it's time to look at a different route to market, um, this different distribution channel and take this time that everything's kind of in limbo and on pause to do that. Um, and, 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 you know, plan for the future. Um, the, the fact that everything is basically driven towards online sales and we've seen a huge boom in that. Um, I think everyone's well aware of the fact that people waited so long for their, for their wine deliveries after that first um, opening of the market in June. But, um, you know, we learned from that. And I think the South African consumer in the future will be much more comfortable to order wines directly from the producer and, and take the lead on what people say is good or not good, because uh, I think that's why online sales have struggled in the past, is people want to buy, especially wine, they want to buy something they actually know. People are not willing to risk, you know, 600 or 1,000 in a case on wine that they don't actually, actually know. And um, so the online space is definitely um, going to be an exciting one for the future to watch. Uh, and I think it will definitely have changed the consumer's behavior. And, and with that, we all, have seen the fact that if your business was geared towards wine tourism 
Um, and uh, unfortunately, so many of the producers are very focused on cellular activity and, and, and um, you know, hosting people on the properties. What's the alternative? And, and how can we engage with, with that part as well? So um, the plan is definitely to be a lot more open and free for consumers to engage with us on a digital platform, on an online platform, um, and basically take it into their homes. I think in the future, maybe people will be uh, very happy to, um, you know, host the winemakers at their homes and, and do more private or, or, or uh, smaller group tastings rather than huge events. Because huge events, I think, will be, um, you know, nullified for quite some time. Um, but in business sense, well, I think the most, most important part is that this time has given us the opportunity to, to relook what works, what doesn't work, and how we can change that. Well, it's very interesting to me. I mean, you're an expert in marketing and um, I mean, you're right. I think direct to consumer is going to be a huge factor in South Africa for all products, not just wine. But then again, um, like you said, you know, you guys are focused on the, on the um, restaurant industry and um, you want to get your wine um, um, through, through, through that channel. So, so my question is, do you think there's, um, I've no, I haven't heard anybody talking about it, but maybe, you know, the internet is, what we've learned from this is that the internet is basically cutting out the middleman. And um, I think that's why it's important that you need to always, as a business, be talking to the consumer anyway, whether he's buying directly from you or not. But um, do you see a business platform, for instance, or an online platform for restaurants or, 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 or even for um, international buyers where, you know, currently it's such a middleman business where international, say, supermarkets or whoever stocks wine, wine shops will actually buy directly from the producers, order online instead of through an agency business. Yeah, you see that that's almost a, a business uh, conversation on its own. Yes. Because unfortunately, there's a lot of traditional channels and, and, and uh, a way of doing business. You know, for, for instance, uh, recently there's huge articles and well, quite a few articles about the US market and the three tier system, which you know dates back to, to whenever. Um, and why does it have to, have to be three, three tiers in the system? Um, and, and the same with the UK. I know quite a few um, UK supermarkets have started to trade directly with, um, with producers rather than working through importers, so they import their own product. But that's kind of, let's call it on the mass market side or, or the bigger volume production side. Um, from a, from a, uh, a, I guess, ease of business space, we've seen in locally the, the last five or seven years, uh, the introduction of redistributors. So the restaurant buys everything from his Coca-Cola to his beer and wine from one redistributor because then he looks after one account, mm. um, which obviously then put the, the, let's call it the historical agent slash distributor in quite a difficult spot because they can't, uh, now it's supply the restaurant direct because these guys want to buy, you know, from from the redistributor. So there's already been quite a few changes recently uh, regarding that. It's it's also up to the the restauranteur, I guess, and the wine shop owner um, in terms of where does the relationship lie? That, does the relationship lie with the producer or with the representative coming, you know, past every week or every second week? Um, and that's something that this industry, I think, sometimes undervalues is relationships in a big way you know we feel that everyone's replaceable but um but i think the relationships that uh, re representatives build up with their clients is invaluable um and you can't always replace that because there's always a human element to it you know 
as much as we we don't want to say some people get along with each other and some people don't so and that's the human factor so um so the online platform yes there's, there's definitely a possibility i am just not sure if most restaurants with or, or not even just restaurants but if if uh, businesses would look at that because you know they've already kind of steered away from worrying about 10 different invoices uh you know to working with someone that supplies me with everything on one invoice so yeah it's kind of an admin thing but but also um like i said the 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 relationship is is going to going to be the driver in terms of where the client gets this the product from um, well, it's interesting what you're saying, but I was just thinking while you are talking, you know, another factor that might be turning this whole thing on its head, um, you know, all the restaurants and stuff are, are having serious problems at the moment in terms of, you know, they've got no income. So, you know, I think anybody that steps up with a distribution system that can provide terms or finance might be able to take a big chunk of the market. Have you guys thought about anything in that? that direction i know you know i hear what you're saying about relationships and, and stuff like that ensure it's important but ultimately a business model that gives the guys um uh, access and also provides terms to them would be very attractive to any restaurant owner yeah look at, at this stage it's 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 a, it's such a sad environment that we live in because um, as you would have seen in the, in the news and social media and everywhere you know, restaurants can't survive just on food sales. Um, no. Liquor and, and beverages are such a big part of their, their business. And also from a, from a customer point of view, it's, you know, when you meet friends out for dinner or you go with your family or, or partners. Um, and, and that's been taken away, which also kind of blocks people from, well, I'm, I'm not going to do dinner for, uh, you know, tomorrow night and, and have a glass of water or Coke light or whatever that might be. So... Unfortunately, that space is in such a uh, difficult one at the moment because um, the the on trade is is in in this I guess fighting within themselves as well in a way that am I going to stay open? Is it worth opening or not? Um, and we are partners uh, in a big way, I guess, in normal times where you know wine producers, uh, a lot of wine producers are really um, dependent on them. But uh, again, it also showed us in this way that maybe from a restaurant point and from a producer point that we we should look at opportunities to also be able to survive with, without each other but when you can support each other where, where it's possible um you know if i if i'm very honest with you at this stage um talking to my 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 uh, colleagues in the industry and, and people who like i said literally has no outside funding no you know guys sitting in london or in johannesburg funding the business Everyone is really just up there for survival at the moment and looking mm. after their own space. So it's very, really, I guess, sometimes very difficult to to uh, to look at um, other opportunities when you're really just fighting for survival by yourself. And I, I'm here. I'm talking about the restauranteur as much as I'm talking about the producer. I think everyone is just really looking for ways to be able to get through this um, at this stage. Yeah, I'm just thinking, right, for anybody that can actually put cash into this distribution system might be able to get a big chunk of business. But anyway, that's a discussion, like you said, for another day. Just to say that the problem is that there is no distribution channel at the moment because we're not allowed to sell anything. So if, is, if it was possible true, to sell right? wine, I'm sure there's going to be. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, uh, what they've done in, in Canada was they, even though it's, it's liquor board uh, run, they allowed mm -hmm. restaurants to sell wine as if they were a wine shop. 
Now, can you imagine if that was possible to have an on and off consumption license for a restaurant to say, you know, I've had dinner, I've had, enjoyed that bottle of wine. Can you give me a case to take home? Um, that system is not allowed here in South Africa for the most part. So, uh, yes, to, to look at opportunities to do that will be wonderful, but there's no money to put in anything because you, you can't trade at, at any stage. So that's, that's a frustrating part for everyone. Do you think regulations will change after this whole palaver in this ends? Is there a possibility? Sure. Uh, I would like to say yes. Uh, I would like to say that, you know, maybe, maybe some liquor license um, terms could be a bit more uh, lenient. Um, but as we've seen, uh, I, I guess I would not, rather not venture into political discussions at this stage. <laughs> but... Um, it will, it will be very difficult to change that. I mean, it's just, I guess it's the same as, you know, in America where people have been fighting for lowering the drinking age from 21 to, to 18 or 19. It's never going to happen. Um, and we can only hope that with what we've learned the last six months, that yes, um, the liquor boards, et cetera, and, and, and provincial governments will look at it and say, well, how can we support the smaller business to, like I said earlier, allow the guy to say, you are now allowed to have an on and off consumption license, but with these trading terms and sorry, trading times, um, you know, and, and support each other in that way, because it's an extra income stream for that restaurant and, and um, an on-trade place, which, which might be feasible in the future. Interesting. Kulain, um, what is the most important thing that you've learned from your wine journey? Uh, look, I, I can probably give quite a few examples, but the one that always comes to mind is, the wine industry is not an overnight business. People who came into the industry years ago and uh, from, from different uh, walks of life or different industries, you know, it's, you can't press a button and suddenly have a, a successful wine business. It just doesn't happen like that. When you look at the really successful uh, brands like Canon Corp, which, which, you know, for me is probably in the, in the top of, of what I would say represents South Africa and success from a family operation, um, but there's quite a few examples like that. It took them years and took everyone, it takes everyone years to get that credibility and um, I guess perceptual value. It doesn't happen overnight. And sadly, a lot of people, I think it's, if I, again, if I could use a restaurant example, how difficult is it to flip a burger and make a pizza until you open a place and, and see what happens behind the doors of running cost and just the effort and, and, um, and money and capital that you have to put into it. So. Yes, the, the one thing that I've learned uh, very quickly was it's not an overnight business. It's not something that you just turn around in a couple of months. It takes years to be successful. It's amazing that you mentioned that because I spoke to Kanon Kupa the other day and, and they said exactly the same thing. And um, consistency, right, is, is the key. Mm, yeah. um, they, they managed actually yeah. to have that consistent um, Kanon Kup, uh, let's put it, uh, ethos in their wine going through yes. all the winemakers, the three winemakers they've had so far. And they've, you know, so if you drink a bottle of Kanonkop today, um, and you had one in the 80s, it, it would be the same bottle, you know, it would be more or less the same wine. Yeah. Which is also yeah, the yeah, secret yeah. Of, the, the, of the big French producers, right? Of the Bordeaux wines, is consistency. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's, not just, it's not just the fact that they've done it for so long. Um, Sadly, you know, South Africa, even though we are the, the oldest New World country, and um, again, in those isolation years and back then, there were such great things happening in the industry. And, and you can listen to the stories of the Canon Corps. And, you know, Uffergau, who is one of our members, 
who bottled the first Merlot in early 80s and the first Bordeaux blended three quarter. Um, the Thelimas who started in the eight, mid 80s, late 80s, who is now again 30 plus years old. And, and then you sit with, um, uh, with, with guys who, who've learned from the old, old generation, older generations and, um, and kind of doing it themselves now and, and learning from that. So, so yes, um, there's a reason why, uh, you know, Bordeaux wines are, and Burgundy wines are so sought after. And, you know, again, there will always be people that kind of wants to pull them down and say the quality is not there anymore, et cetera, and it's become commercial. But if you look at the facts, it will take us quite a few producers, quite a few years to sell, you know, one to at a 500 or a thousand euros a bottle. Uh, but I'm sure we'll get there. <laughs> I'm sure we'll get there. Maybe in your lifetime, yes. Can you give us um, your very own wine quote? Yeah. So when you send me the question, the, the yeah the questions, I I thought about it. And I could probably sit. I re recently read uh, uh, Robert Mondavi's book that I bought um, on my trip there last year. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's so many great things he said uh, in that book, and I, I, I can't even rem remember all of it. So I would rather not venture into uh, a fancy, you know, wine is sun in the glass or anything uh, romantic like that. For me, it's, 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 you know, it's more a question of um, we need to enjoy wine for what it is. It doesn't have to be um, snobbish or idealized it can be a, a daily beverage which we should enjoy and that's, that's something i have always communicated in the last 15 16 years working in the industry to consumers it's just enjoy wine forget about you know what you have to smell what you have to taste um you know wine is is something to be enjoyed every day and, and we still need to create that culture in south africa that wine is not just a sunday afternoon glass of wine or a dinner drink it's something that you can enjoy on a daily basis, uh, obviously uh, in, in a responsible way, um, to just to tease and seize it. Um, so, yeah, for me, it, it's really about make wine a bit more uh, acceptable to everyone, and not something that I'm scared of because I'm worried someone's going to ask me, you know, what I'm smelling or what I'm tasting. Um, there's no such thing as a bad wine because it might be enjoyed by someone else, um, and. You know, on that point, we, we've got to be very thankful for, for the, let's call it the sweeter and sweeter white and red wines that we see in the market, because that's the introduction for most young people into the wine market uh, and be thankful for it. Uh, if I could say one quote, it would be what Cape South Pacific uses, and that's an African proverb, which says, um, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And that's been kind of our ethos in the last two years is, you know, that kind of teamwork and working together to enhance and, and better everyone in the future or for the future. I like that. Kulain, um, how do, uh, I mean, it's been a, such a pleasure talking to you and it's been very interesting. Um, if people are sitting there, listeners, and they want to get hold of you um, or of Cape Cape specific, how do they get hold of you? Yeah, well, uh, firstly, thank you very much for the opportunity. And it's, it's, um, it's really great to have this platform to, um, to also inform people a bit about what we do and what we stand for. And uh, if they want to get in contact with me, uh, yeah, they can email to info at capesitespecific.co.za um, or you can visit the website at capesitespecific.co.za and all the details also uh, on the website and in, um, on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, it's just Cape Site Specific. So follow us and, and hopefully we can, you know, 
carry the conversation forward and and, uh, and keep educating people in a, a very informative way, but also a very important way. Um, again, it comes down to us understanding why certain wines taste different to others. And yeah, it comes back to the whole story of sense of place and sense of belonging. Lorraine, thank you very, very much. Um, we'll put all the links in the description and um, we all appreciate your time. Thank you for spending the time with us. Well, thank you very much. And thank you to the listeners. Um, I look forward to, to receiving some comments from everyone, but uh, yeah, wonderful to chat to you and hopefully we can catch up sometime soon. Thank you for supporting our show. If you would like to get more exposure for your business, please have a look at our sponsorship options. Thanks again for supporting About the Winelands. Please follow us on YouTube and on our social media channels. All details and links are in the description. Thank you.